Hi, I'm James Vincent, host of Leaders in Innovation, a most innovative companies podcast from Fast Company. I'm a founding partner at Founder, where we help give voice to vision for founders. We've had the privilege to work with some of the biggest founders of our time, from Steve at Apple, Brian at Airbnb, Evan at Snap, Jason at Discord, and many, many more. We're back for a new season, and this year we speak to leaders in innovation. In an era where things are changing so quickly, it demands a new playbook for innovation. From emerging technologies like biotech to completely new categories like AI, innovating simply at the product level is not enough. To get to true impact, scale, and mass adoption now requires innovation across multiple levels. You have to design around systemic issues such as supply chain, go-to-market, new types of partnership and new ways of working, as well as technology and product experience innovation. Whilst we're going to be talking about AI and new foods and biotech, we're really going to be compiling a new innovators playbook with lessons you can apply no matter the size of your company or the job title you hold. My guest today is Jason Citron from Discord. Discord's worth $15 billion, estimated 150 million monthly active users. And he started off in gaming. And as Eames said, gaming is the prelude to serious ideas. So we're going to talk a lot about the thinking and the feeling of gaming being the origin story of Discord and how that turned into the togetherness economy where people all get together to do things that they all want to talk about or do in a group. Jason, how are you? Great to see you. Doing all right, James. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to get into a conversation with you and Discord. I know you and I met five or six years ago um, at that retreat in Calistoga a long, long time ago. And uh, back then you were a platform for gamers, which of course you still are, but a lot's changed since then. I'm guessing COVID was a huge moment in terms of growth where people virtually got in the room together. And so what's happened since then? Yeah, it turns out people like to hang out. <laughs> you know, when we started Discord, it was really focused on creating a place where people could come together to talk and hang out around playing games. And when COVID happened, we had all these people who were using Discord as their virtual hangout online, and they were familiar with it and understood what they got from it and how it made it easier to spend time with their friends. And so when COVID happened, a lot of our existing users were like, oh, this is going to be great as a way to spend time with people who maybe I don't play games with. And so we saw tremendous growth of people joining Discord during COVID. And we were just really happy that we were able to help and serve the world in our own small way in such a crazy time. And now that we're moving on from COVID, what we're seeing is that people have really gotten used to hanging out together on their devices. And so today people are getting busier than ever going out back into the world, but they still find these moments of free time to get together online and have these unplanned hangouts on Discord. As I recall, five or six years ago, it was pure gaming for pure gamers. And those types of behaviors that gamers were often the first to adopt become behaviors that all manner of people doing all manner of things are now using. You know, it's funny when you think about it, we're all very similar. You know, the things that people like to do are all very similar. We spend time with our friends and we like to explore our hobbies and we like to laugh and debate and cry and love. And I think what's interesting about gaming in particular is people who play games tend to adopt technology early. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about maybe what happened with Discord, and you see this with other technologies in the gaming and how they started gaming and then go into the mainstream, people who play games 
and I did this when I was a teenager 20 years ago, would hang out online and using these other services and then, you know, Discord starting in 2015. And it was very natural to do that because people who play games would spend a lot of time on their devices. And in some ways, we're ahead of the curve. Everyone wants to hang out with their friends. And now today, computers and phones and spending time on your devices is so much more normal because of what we've all been through in this world that everyone is doing these unplanned hangouts. It was an interesting accident that we started focused on gaming, really trying to solve a problem for that customer, but everyone wants to hang out. And so it's spread to everybody. I often think of Discord as the third way. You can kind of do something on your own, or you can go on social media and do one to many. But I see Discord as actually predominantly very positive behavior because it's groups of people doing things they love together. Mm -hmm. But it's communal. And there's something about the togetherness. Is it fair to call it the togetherness economy, or is that (laughs) pushing it a little too far? Well, I don't know if I call it the togetherness economy. I mean, I think togetherness is nice. People definitely come together on Discord. We see more of the five to 15 person groups of your friends or friends of friends. We've recently been hearing a lot of stories about people who are getting a group of people together to do fantasy sports on Discord because the way the app works, it allows you to organize your conversations in a much more organic way than having one mega group chat that's just getting blown up. You can have the main chat and the draft picks and live game talk. And then if you want to participate in that moment, you can hop into the app and pay attention or you can lean back and let the notifications go and and we don't blow up your phone the way sort of a normal group chat would. So it gives you this ability to lean in and out. But then if you want, to your point, you can go join a public community with 100,000 people that are into the sports team you like and follow on to the latest conversation that's happening right in that moment. So you can participate in these different ways of being together with other people. Participation is another good word. That notion of people getting together around their passions and finding a place where other people believe things that they do and doing it together. Is that close to your heart? Discord was always about spending time with your friends or people, like-minded people doing things together. I mean, we started with playing games together. It was really about you hop on when you want to play, and then when you're not actively playing, you can keep in touch using our text chat between sessions. And this lean in and then lean back, but still participating behavior is really at the core of what we're about. When people ask me, is Discord social media? My answer is no, we're a communications platform. Right. I've used the word participate and talk a lot. That's what you're doing. Social media has turned our social lives into entertainment media, scrolling and looking at pictures and laughing at videos, which is fun. And it does help you feel like you have other people in your lives. But it, it is very different, I think, than sitting in a room, having deep conversation and laughing and joking and playing with your friends. And that's what Discord's about. When you get your friends on Discord, you're having that quality time and strengthening your friendships. So it is quite different and helping people have genuine friendships and and feel that fulfillment and joy in their lives is, is really what we're all about. That's why we show up every day is to give people that power to, to just have that fulfillment in their lives. Brian Chesky was on the show a few weeks ago and he was saying, The issue with social media is awesome as a a gateway, meaning I go there because I'm following a passion. I agree. And some of the best parts that I love about social media is when I'm, let's say, browsing one of those services and I find a piece of content that I think my friends would love. And then I go to Discord and I share it with my friends and it sparks a conversation around what do you think about that game? Or, wow, isn't this a cool piece of technology that somebody just invented? Or, wow, like we're going to get all of our minerals from asteroids. And I find that is a wonderful way to bring social media into my friendships and my conversations. But the doom scrolling is not great. 
I witness it with my own kids. I think trying to bring some intentionality and consciousness to that, it feels like Discord is this third space where I'm hanging out with my friends doing things. I might want to lead, I might want to follow, and both those ways of approaching it seem just perfectly normal on Discord and, and appropriate behavior. That's right. Yeah, because the way that you know it works is you get your friends together in a space, which you call servers, and then you can choose how much you want to participate, how much you want to lean in. Because people can be text chatting, you can chime in, you could just read, or you could be like, hey, let's take this to voice and then click a button and boom, you're in voice chat with those friends and then turn on video if you want. So you can choose how much attention and energy you want to give to a conversation at any point in time, which creates this really flexible feeling that for those of you who remember, um, and James, you probably remember this, like from back in college, when you had that common area people would be sitting around doing their own thing. And then sometimes two people would come together and start doing something. And then the third person would perk up and then chime in. Mm -hmm. And there's someone else doing their homework and they're just there mm. and they're enjoying it, but they're not in the conversation. And like, we see that human dynamic play out. Someone told me a story the other day about how they were on voice chat with their friend and they were having separate together time. One of them was cooking dinner. One was doing homework and they weren't even talking, but they were just on voice together and occasionally they would pipe up. And these were two teenagers. And I remember one of them, apparently the mom came by and was like, why don't you hang up with your friend so we could make dinner? It's kind of weird. They're just here. And then the friend was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm just hanging out. It's a generational thing, isn't it? Those long pauses. It's interesting. Is it generational? Think back to when you were younger. Did you ever hang out just on the phone, call a friend and sit there for hours? Not really say much. Yeah. See, people really don't change that much. Sitting on the bottom of the stairs because there's only one phone. Yeah, and then your mom picks up and get off the phone. Get I mean, off this, the line, you know, yeah. Yeah. When I was really little before the internet, you know, that was what I did in like middle school. But then in high school, I was doing more of this internet stuff. But this is what's interesting. Like people don't really change. We just use technology in different ways to do the same things and express the same needs and wants. That's right. It was just struck by Charles and Ray Eames, a quote about toys and games being the prelude to serious ideas. And I remember when I first met you, one of the things that I remember the most, we had lunch and you said, yeah, I'm a gamer. Like, I met my wife in gaming. All my friends are gamers. So your DNA in, in gaming is beyond reproach. She's the original gangster. So um, <laughs> if you think about that, why is gaming the prelude to serious ideas? I think it has something to do with when you're playing games, you're playing. So there's like lighthearted curiosity to it. I mean, sometimes play can be serious, like if you're playing soccer or a competitive game, you can get pretty intense about it. But I think there's an openness and a curiosity to it. And I think especially with video games, they tend to be at the forefront of new technology and taking advantage of new technology. And a lot of times new technology seems like a toy. If you think about graphics processing units, GPUs, they were invented to draw triangles on the screen so you could play high resolution video games. And now they're driving our cars. It turns out that it's the same technology, and now it powers this AI revolution, and it started in gaming. And I think you see this time and time again, that video games tend to take advantage of all the technology that's available right up into the end. And a lot of consumer tools will also try to innovate and take advantage of technology in ways that seem playful and unserious. Twitter started as what you're having for lunch. I remember when I joined Twitter, people were tweeting like, I'm eating a turkey sandwich. And everyone was like, why does anyone want to know what you're eating for lunch? And now world leaders are there and it's become the town square and we'll see if it stays that way. Innovation pushes the edges of technology and it usually seems weird at first. And then once people really learn how to use it, how to integrate in their lives and more people do it, it just, it becomes more serious. I love that thought that gaming is where we're relaxing a little bit. So we're doing the things that we love. It feels to me you've built naturally and organically around that feeling of doing things that I love. And I could extend that from gaming to other passions. 
yeah, making music, learning to draw, learning how to take care of an obscure houseplant, all the way to studying language practice. Since you mentioned technology, no interview in 2023, you can't ask the question about AI. When you think about AI and Discord and your communities, how are you thinking about utilizing it and the good and the challenging parts of that? The modern AI technology is just so incredible. It's just so incredible to see what we can do with it. What's interesting about it for Discord is that, you know, Discord, like we've been talking about, is really about bringing people together, a place for you to talk and hang out with your friends. And so when we think about AI, the question we ask is, how does AI help you do that? For us to use it, it needs to be in service of making it more fun, easier, you know, more interesting, more exciting to talk and hang out with your friends. For example, We've launched a couple of products this year that we're experimenting with, what we're calling conversation summaries. So this is something that everyone has probably experienced when they're using chat apps, which is you're not paying attention to the chat, you've got 100 missed messages, and you kind of want to know what your friends talked about, but you don't want to sit there and read the whole thing. Mm. Turns out that's an amazing task for modern AI. You can just summarize it for you. So we've been playing around with this idea of when you miss a conversation, you can come back and be like, James and Jason explored the merits of gaming and, it, and how it affects technology. Yeah. And that's it. And you're like, okay, great. I got the gist of this conversation. Let me jump in or, yeah, yeah, or listen Exactly. In. Yeah. So that's a really cool, specific way that AI can help people interact and communicate more. And a different angle to it, we have a lot of these you know, public spaces we talked about where you can jump in and talk with like-minded folks around an interest or topic. And we've been exploring AI to help with moderation. You can give it a set of rules, like our community guidelines, and then it can observe the messages and decide, is this message violating a guideline? Which one? and then either flag it to moderators so they can choose to act on it, or in some cases, in, you know, as it gets better, actually take an action itself directly, like giving a user a warning, for example. So there's two interesting things there. And then the third pillar is on productivity and fun side. There are all these interesting generative AI tools for creating images. So you can type a string of text and it'll generate a piece of artwork for you, like a unicorn riding on a dragon flying around a spaceship. And what we're seeing is that people are really having fun using these AI tools to express their imagination collaboratively, because Discord is, is a group chat environment. So there's a really popular service called Midjourney where you can create your own images and you can do it with your friends. You can bring the Midjourney app into your own Discord server and co-create and use AI with your friends in a really interesting way. So there's a whole suite of bots and apps that people have made that let you use AI with your friends that are pretty cool. Since you mentioned trust and safety, what happens when the whole world shows up? It's not necessarily the platform's fault, but it is the platform's responsibility to figure out what to do about it. Discord has humans on it, and humans don't always do good things. How do you think about addressing those issues? Trust and safety is very important to us, to me. You know, when I think about people coming together to talk and hang out on Discord, people won't talk and hang out if you don't feel safe. Just imagine yourself hanging out with your friends. If you don't feel safe, you're not laughing and joking, you're leaving. So feeling safe is a fundamental kind of prerequisite for us. So we have about 15% of our full-time workforce dedicated to trust and safety. And we take a very holistic approach to it. We design privacy and safety by default into our products in a way that give individual users power and control over their environment. As an individual user, you opt into the conversations you want to be part of, you can block users, you can leave spaces, and you can decide what you want to experience. Discord does not have a central feed because we're a communication service, so you can choose what spaces you want to be in. You can, of course, report content or things to us or messages to us or people to us that may be violating our platform guidelines, which is the second pillar. We have these platform guidelines where we've made it clear what is acceptable on Discord and what isn't, and we do enforce them. We will ban users. We just actually recently rolled out 
what we're calling a warning system, which gives users a lot of transparency around any violations they might have committed. So previously, if someone broke a rule on Discord, we would just ban their account. Now we've decided because we have a lot of teens in our platform that we actually want to take a more constructive approach to enforcing our guidelines. So if you post egregious content, we still kick you off. But if you do a minor infraction, we'll give you a warning and tell you what you did wrong so you can hopefully learn and get better. And what we found is that a lot of times people, when they commit minor infractions, they will change their behavior and they will get better and they will learn. So we're really excited to innovate on how we can enforce our guidelines. And then the third pillar is we give moderation tools to the group leaders, we call them the admins. So every server has admins who can enforce their own guidelines, enforce our community guidelines, kick users, ban them and decide what content is acceptable for their space. And then if they need help, they can essentially flag stuff back to our full-time moderation team to come and help them. So we take a pretty proactive approach here. And while Discord is not end-to-end encrypted, we don't proactively go and read messages. It's just reactive. So if someone you know flags a message to us, we'll go and investigate. So I remember working with David at Roblox, who was really, really purposeful, intentional about behaviors on Roblox. And he felt he could be a positive force to encourage good behavior. Is that the way you look at it? So on Discord, there's a lot of people use our service. We've got teens and adults. And actually, most people who use Discord are are adults, but there are a lot of teens on our platform. And when we think about the teens that use Discord, we very much want to take an approach that encourages them and teaches them how to be better people in the world. Teens are still learning and growing and turning into adults. And I mean, and adults are, of course, always still learning. So our approach to trust and safety is different. We take two approaches for teens and for adults. And for teens, the warning system was really designed as a way to help teens learn how to behave better so that they can learn how to be better digital citizens, to your point. We do apply the same system to adults, but it was really designed with teens in mind. We also launched a feature called Teen Safety Assist, which is a sidekick that's turned on by default for teen accounts, or it will be soon, and then adults can opt in if they want. And it helps you have situational awareness. If you end up in a situation that is maybe not safe for you, Discord will be like, hey, like you should think twice about sending this picture or having this conversation because it may not be a good thing for you. And then the teen can have that power to decide, oh, I'm learning something about this moment. Like, what do I want to do here? So it is very much something where we're trying to keep the environment safe so people can talk and hang out and do what they want. But if people misbehave, to take kind of proportional reactions to help them learn how to be. It's nurturing and and teaching without being too onerous and creating these rules that mean people don't feel free. But freedom can also create a dangerous situation for others. So there's that collective spirit raising the bar without being too intrusive, but being very firm but fair when it's necessary. You mentioned those three examples of AI. Do you have a strong point of view about how to orchestrate AI? What's the best model? I don't think anyone really knows where this is going. I'm going to start there. I can make some predictions, but I think the story of humanity and our technology is that collectively we discover stuff and then it creates new possibilities that we then react to with our imagination. And it's amazing forward progress, but it's really, really hard to predict You know, if you go far enough, you could pick up any sci-fi book and you're like, yeah, some version of this might come true. My sense today is that we now have computers that really understand conversations and can synthesize patterns from the world and make decisions about what to do. But how far it goes and how good it gets is still unclear to me. My sense is that open innovation is a better path. The more we can activate our collective energy with open source capabilities, I think we're going to get more interesting stuff that comes from it. And I think the counter argument around AI safety 
is valid. It's very valid. But I think that the negative things are going to happen in the world. People are worried about AI creating all this sort of crazy stuff. I think it's going to happen. So the question is, can we overwhelm it with good stuff? And can we have AI defenses to push back against that? The genie's out of the bottle. So I'm really excited to see what all happens with it. For us at Discord, like we're not actively building the AI technology. We're looking to see what the world comes up with and how we can apply it to helping people build better friendships. For us, it's more about facilitating human interaction. Like you could imagine going into a public space with people speaking in a different language and being able to converse in real time. It works now, not in real time. Using the AI speech synthesis, you can have it speak in one language and then translate it into another. So at some point in the future, you're going to be able to interview people who don't speak your language in real time and it's going to seem to you like they're speaking in English. It's going to be pretty wild. And that's going to be a cool world where it's going to help us share ideas and learn new perspectives in a way that's just not been possible for in real time. like millennia. An entire planet of 8 billion people divided by different languages suddenly able to communicate with each other. Yeah. I love your thought that we should be using powerful forces against powerful forces. Let's use the AI to root out the misinformation and find safer platforms. In the future, humans will be looking for safe harbors. People will become more selective about where they go for their news, for their communication. Are those areas that you're thinking about in terms of remaining this valid place where people get together and communicate? We are very focused on creating that space where people can come together. Today, Discord doesn't have the kinds of misinformation challenges that a lot of these social media platforms have because we're not really a social media platform. We're a communication service where, to your point, people are, are maybe joining a particular server around a particular topic. So they're opting in to hear news about something from a particular company or brand or influencer. The kinds of things that people talk about on Discord are more like hobbies and passions and, and interests. It's not so much world news kind of stuff. Although, of course, it does happen in some spaces. It'll be an interesting thing to see how it all plays out because even when you join a server for a topic, unless it's by a company or brand that you've really heard of before and experienced those people, everyone is going to have to learn how to be more discerning about what they see on every internet platform. When you get into social media, something is going to have to evolve because AI is going to be able to create fake conversations with audio that sounds real, with video that looks real. And people are very susceptible to headline bias. And I think we're, we're missing something. I don't know what it is, but I, this is a real opportunity for the social media platforms to step up to try and help people have their bearings as they're using these technology services. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is, because I think if you start doing the fake news thing, it gets tricky because who's the arbiter of what? And we've seen platforms trying to mediate through COVID. In some cases, they've stepped over the line a little bit. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. But a good place to start is it's got my friends in it. And I'm talking about stuff I love. And at least you've got some containment to that conversation. You've got people that you trust on a topic you chose to be in. And I guess your issue will be making sure people are verified that topics don't go into a place that they shouldn't go, that you continue to be a togetherness place, not a divisive place. Because honestly, that's why togetherness feels so good, because most social media, to be blunt, is divisive. Discord has really, for us, always been about a place to talk. It's about participating and being together with your friends. To that point, Jason, I was reading recently that the, um, the 19th century affliction was infection. The 20th century infliction is cancer. 
but the 21st century affliction will be loneliness. That's why togetherness feels so right. There's the physical and the digital, but it's a basic human need for people to be together. And the epidemic of loneliness is scary. And again, I see discord as some resolution to that. Modern life makes it harder and harder to spend time with friends. And the way that we use social media and how that takes up space in our lives, we do end up, I think, spending less time with our friends. It's been awesome to see how Discord helps people create that virtual space to come together with people that they care about and have these unplanned hangouts that can fit in the little gaps and little spaces of your life when you're not able to be together in person. When we talk to people who love Discord, that's really what they tell us is that Discord makes it easier for them to have fun in this low pressure, spontaneous way, which they wouldn't get without it. Yeah, there's definitely a need for intimate spaces in the internet, which is a bit of a paradox. A lot of good is had through people communicating. And I think it's when people don't communicate or become isolated or become extreme, because there's more that brings people together than separates them. We have so much more in common than we have that's different. The more we can be open and curious about other people, the more we can build those bridges through friendship and through talking, I think the world would be better for it. And actually, if we, if we go back 80,000 years, it was the reason why Homo sapiens uh, won out against the Neanderthals, because we could work together. And it's that building of trust through shared values, conversation, togetherness. That's the human condition. So long may it continue and uh, long may Discord support it. Wonderful, Jason. That was a fantastic conversation and uh, I really enjoyed it. Hope you did too. Thanks for spending the time. It's great to see you again. Thanks for having me, James. This was fun. From my conversation with Jason, it became clear that it's another way to organize the internet. A few people meet with a few people or many people meet with many people over topics they love. It tends to create more harmony around the topics that people love to do. And so it sort of creates this third space. We describe it as the third space for togetherness. Of course, bad things are going to happen and have happened. Uh, a lot of the vast majority of things on Discord are positive. And there's a very interesting conversation around how AI can help us, that good AI can help fight bad AI. And that actually AI can help remove the dystopian potential of misinformation. And finally, just this notion, which I thought was really fun, was this idea that games and play lead to more serious things, the prelude to serious ideas, I, I believe the quote is. Jason started off being a gamer, and the gamers wanted to do other things, and they took Discord with them, and now it's study groups and origami and all manner of different topics. I think its metaphor with the real world is strong, and I think it was just very interesting to recognize that as a different organizing principle for the internet and a place where a lot of very positive togetherness goes on. That's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to Leaders in Innovation wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you like this episode, give it a rating. Five star would be awesome. And review it on Apple Podcasts, if you would. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you want to hear more of. You can email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet us, hashtag Leaders in Innovation. Leaders in Innovation is a production of Fast Company in partnership with founder FNDR, who couldn't afford the vowels. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen, produced and edited by Matt Toder. 
Sound design by Nicholas Torres. The writing is Matias Sanchez, also ably assisted by a merry band of Camilla, LJ, Hannah, Nikki, Naomi, Nick. This podcast is done in collaboration with my amazing partners at Founder, Stephen Butler, Rebecca Jeffries, and Nick Barham.